Hey, 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 everybody, and welcome to Boozy Bracketology, where we believe in three things, strong drinks, strong opinions, and crowning champions. And tonight, we continue our long and amazing journey as we determine the greatest 80s movie of all time. And for this particular sequence of episodes, we are in the teen comedy region of the bracket. I've got five great panelists here that are going to be making these choices. Unfortunately, I don't have to make them. I just get to sit here and drink. Uh, my name is Mike. I don't think I mentioned that. You probably have heard my voice several times at this point by now. But if you're a first timer, welcome. I will be your host for this evening. And I'm going to introduce you to the people that do have to make these choices. And we are going to start off in South Carolina, just a little bit to my east with Michael Turner. Turner, how are you doing tonight? And what are you drinking? Oh, I'm doing splendid. I just finished watching my Lady Gamecocks uh, completely maul another hapless Missouri basketball team. That's <laughs> always a good time. Uh, so, and actually I'm watching your uh, Vanderbilt Lady Commodores right now. So life is good. But uh, we're going to we're gonna talk about some, uh, some good movies and some not so good ones tonight. <laughs> uh, tonight I have with me a Franken-Booberry Halloween uh, ale from the Crooked Hammock Brewery. Let's get a see if I can get a mic pop on here. Oh, there we go. That landed right on me, but that's fine. Excellent. Tasty. Let's let's roll with the show. Now I gotta ask, do they make a Count Chocula as well? Uh, they do not, but I might uh, whisper in their ear about that. Y- you should, because I definitely feel like that the blueberry sounds amazing, but the Count Chocula would be even more my jam. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. And from uh, way to the east of me to uh, approximately two feet to my immediate left, <laughs> joining us tonight all the way from Huntsville, Alabama, which is also where I live, uh, my lovely wife Nikki is here with us tonight. Nick, how are you doing tonight and what are you drinking? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I actually wasn't really planning on drinking and then I realized I had children and so <laughs> I, I poured a Jack and coke because it was a it was a rough bedtime tonight yeah (laughs) um but they're down they're sleeping we hope um so yeah now i'm just enjoying a beverage and ready to talk some 80s teen movies and she pre-popped the coke so unfortunately you don't get the can pop there but that's that's okay there you go i don't know if that came through but we're we're super fancy here on boozy bracketology Next up, uh, we have, I believe, a newcomer to the podcast. We've seen her many times before, but this is the first time she's actually joining us as a panelist. Uh, AJ, how are you doing tonight? Uh, You're you're all out of Fort Lauderdale. Sorry, I left that out. But yeah, Uh, out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. AJ, how are you doing tonight and what are you drinking? I'm doing well. I'm super stoked to finally be on here. I've listened to a lot of your stuff, heard my husband, you know, chirp on here a couple (laughs) times. So I'm excited. I unfortunately can't drink for the next eight months. So um, I have with me a um, Dr. Pepper with um, uh, raspberry chocolate ice cream made into a float, (laughs) which is actually low-key delicious. So... I think you actually won the what are you drinking tonight yeah, right. question. 
That sounds amazing. <laughs> this was a concoction that Brandon had made up. I was like, I just want to float. And the only ice cream we had was our our raspberry chocolate sorbet thing that we bought. Buy one, get one free. And I was like, whatever. We're just going to figure it out. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and next up out of Fort Worth, Texas, the man who possibly might bring the strongest of the strong opinions to Boozy Bracketology podcast, Stephen, my friend. It's been a long time. How are you doing and what are you drinking? Well, I got to say, I was actually uh, feeling pretty down on myself recently, feeling kind of old, but then I started preparing for this bracket and I realized that much like the actors we're going to see today, I'm still young enough to play in high school, apparently. So that's a nice refresher. Um, <laughs> almost as refreshing as this delicious Mountain Dew Zero I'm going to pop here. Ah, it's like just easing into an old lounge chair. I'm back and got my podcast juice. I'm ready to go. <laughs> lovely, lovely. And last and probably not least, uh, we met We met his better half just a minute ago, uh, but uh, also from Fort Lauderdale, we have Brandon back here with us. Brandon, buddy, how are you doing tonight? What are you drinking? Mike, it feels so good to be back on. It's been way too long, man. Absolutely. Um. Things are great. Everything's great here in South Florida. We have a lot going on. Big promotion. Paramedic school is going good for my wife. And uh, a lot of great things are going on. Me, I am drinking. I've never had this on air with you guys. But I've talked about it many times in our Discord chat. It's uh, the Hattori Hanzo drink that I make. Oh, nice. It's Shinju Japanese whiskey. I do cranberry grape juice. It should be cranberry. I do cranberry grape, uh, hint of lime juice, ginger beer. That's it. Hmm. Very, very good. Very refreshing drink. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Sounds awesome. Cheers. So good. Now my turn. Get the customary beer on the microphone there. <laughs> this is uh, from... Uh, well, I'm going to, I'll introduce it this way. It is the bro flow from so pro brewing, uh, Southern prohibition brewing out of Hattiesburg, Mississippi, uh, just a little, uh, West and South of here. Uh, I've had many beers from this uh, particular brewery on this podcast. And, uh, tonight I have a sneaking suspicion. Y'all are about to make some really bad decisions. And so in order to prepare myself, I brought myself a strong beer. This is a triple IPA. It is 9.5% alcohol by volume. Uh, it just, it just seemed necessary for this type of thing. So, um, cheers everybody. As Brandon said, we're going to jump into, uh, our play in games first, uh, on the left side of the bracket, we're going to do our play in game. It is for the 16 seed to determine who gets to go up against the number one. Our plan is between can't buy me love and teen wolf. Michael Turner, take us away. Okay, so I did rewatch both of these uh, specifically for this bracket, and neither one are what I particularly call good films. Um, <laughs> not necessarily memorable. Like, Teen Wolf Michael J. Fox is just riding, he's just coasting off of the Back to the Future fame at this point. I mean, it's, it's likable enough. It's likable enough that uh, he said, screw you, I'm not starring in the sequel. You can go get Jason Bateman's ass. <laughs> uh, and Can't Buy Me Love, like, 
gave us nerdy Patrick Dempsey and uh, Amanda Peterson, who was never seen in film again. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's one hand in the other. Um, I probably have more in the, of an affinity for Teen Wolf, but it's it's like the barest of of margins. Um, yeah, I I. I think Dempsey went on to do much better work. I mean, obviously Fox did as well, but um, yeah, there's just nothing memorable about can't buy me love other than like the tribal dance. So um, I'm, I'm going to go with Teen Wolf. And Teen Wolf picks up its first vote by the slimmest of margins. Uh, and you heard it here first, folks, the stars of those movies went on to do better work. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but Teen Wolf does have a lead. We're going to check in with Nikki. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of in agreement. I don't know if either of these are like huge standouts for me. Um, I mean, I remember liking Can't Buy Me Love when I was younger. Um, you know, Patrick Dempsey was was cute. Um, Michael J. Fox was cute. So back when I was younger, I liked him. <laughs> As I said, next to my husband, but they were, they were cute. Um but yeah, I, I think for me, I'm going to go for Teen Wolf. I think it's just a little bit more memorable, at least. I mean, Can't Buy Me Love, I feel like it's just, you know, it's sort of forgettable with the storyline. I think there's been other movies similar. Um, Teen Wolf, at least, it kind of stands out. They did kind of make a TV show out of it. I mean, so it's, it's at least it kind of has a little more staying power, in my opinion. So I'm going to go for Teen Wolf. And Teen Wolf now has a two to nothing lead. Will AJ finish it off or does Can't Buy Me Love still have some life? Look, I, you know, there were a lot of things on this bracket to where I was like, I have no idea what this is. So I got to watch it. Um, Can't Buy Me Love was one of those. Uh, for me, I had seen Team Wolf multiple times before, but when I watched Can't Buy Me Love, I was like, this is absolutely adorable in my opinion. I will say, you know, there's certain movies that are on this bracket that I have seen and they're not really memorable other than like that one scene that they had. Um, whereas Can't Buy Me Love is just kind of adorable all in all. Like it's kind of that movie that where wherein you're sick and you're like, I just want to watch something cute. I just want to watch something nice. That's yeah, I'm going to go with Can't Buy Me Love in this one. I'm going to give it a little bit of life back. And Can't Buy Me Love does have a little bit of life. It's on the ropes, but staving off Teen Wolf for the moment. Let's find out if Steven's going to put the nail in the coffin or send this to a buzzer beater. So look, here's the thing. These are two deeply, deeply terrible movies. Um, <laughs> let's not mince words. Um, they're a playing game for a reason. I, they should both be in the NIT of whatever this is. Uh, one of them has no good moral, and the one has... A, actively bad moral so let me make this very clear in case any of us somehow have the misfortune of being together on a basketball team if you tell me that you're going to be a better team player by not using your superpower to help me win the fucking game our friendship <laughs> is over you're out there to win use the wolf that is a terrible lesson play your best try your hardest and don't be Teen Wolf. I'm going to go ahead and give one vote to uh, what is was the other terrible one here? Get by me, love. Yeah, I can have it. Ah, ah, 
And I have a sneaking suspicion I know it answer, I know the answer to the question I'm about to ask, but since Can't Buy Me Love did just pull even with Teen Wolf, that does mean that any of our panelists could throw out a buzzer beater if they feel strongly enough about these particular pair of movies. But I'll ask if anybody wants to receive the expected silence <laughs> and then hand it off to Brandon to break this tie and determine who between Can't Buy Me Love and Teen Wolf is going on to face the number one seed. Okay, so we did rewatch this movie, and I gotta say, I think it's the first time I either ever saw it, or I might have watched it when I was maybe seven years old. Um, Teen Wolf, Michael J. Fox, I really do like Michael J. Fox a lot, but Can't Buy Me Love, I was never really a Dempsey fan, but he doesn't, I thought he did a great job. I thought he did a great job in that film. And there's little parts of the film, like when he stands up to the bully who was their friend, you find out when they were younger. That was a pretty cool scene. And you got 80s movies, especially teen comedies, teen romance. They have these great endings. And in uh, the movie Easy Eight years later, the whole lawnmower scene was done once again. The girl is like, you know what? I really do love him. She jumps on the lawnmower with him, and they pretty much, you see them pretty much going off in the sunset. Teen Wolf wasn't that great. Can't Buy Me Love just had a little bit more to it. And yeah, definitely has my vote. All right. And after storming out to a two to nothing lead, uh, Teen Wolf apparently. Uh, didn't decided not to use the wolf to borrow Steven's phrase and uh, can't buy me love did manage to come back and uh, we'll be moving on into the main round to face off against our number one seed, which we will get to in just a minute, but we do have another play in game to tackle here. It is to determine what our number 15 seed is going to be. These are two of the raunchy early eighties style teen comedies. Will it be? Bachelor Party starring a very young Tom Hanks, or will it be the cult classic of Porky's? We're starting off with Nikki. I mean, I actually like both these movies. I mean, I, I think they're fun. Um, you know, I, I think for me, something about Porky's just, it feels, when did that, when did it come out? When did Porky's come out? I think like 1980. I was like, so much about it feels kind of 81 to me. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, I like it feels a little 70s to me, but I don't. I don't know why. Um, I do love. I love Tom Hanks, but I just. I don't know. I'm gonna go Porky's. I think it's just one. I I just enjoy watching it the best. I think it's one of my. I just think it's goofy and fun. So I'm gonna go with Porky's. And Porky's out to an early lead. Next up, let's check in with AJ. Do you agree? I have to admit, I had to pick and choose with uh, the whole paramedic school thing and literally uh, living my life under all the firefighters. Um, I had to pick which ones I was going to watch for this bracket, <laughs> and I just did not choose either one of these to watch. Um, therefore, um, just based on what Google has out on the front, I, I kind of agree <laughs> Porky sounds like the the film that I would probably maybe potentially enjoy a little bit more. <laughs> and Porky's gets a second vote based on Google. So <laughs> thank you for thank you for that search engine. Uh, 
Steven, your thoughts. Yeah, so a uh, key word tonight and any night where we review 80s, particularly 80s comedies, is uh, problematic. (laughs) In fact, you could almost say that it was brought to us by that word if we were Sesame Street. Um, Both of these are verging there, but Porky's is definitely more into the problematic category. Uh, and I'm not a person that gets skeeved out by a lot, particularly like if it's something I watched as a kid and saw it before I like understand I had to treat everyone as a person. Um, but Porky's is one that I didn't see until later in life. And by the time I saw it, it raised my hackles a bit. So I've never been able to fully enjoy that movie. I'm going to go with bachelor party. And do we have a repeat of the first matchup after a 2-0 lead? Porky's has not sealed the deal. Bachelor Party did pick up a vote. We're going to check in with Brandon next. Is Bachelor Party going to send it to another tie, or is Porky's going to win this one out? Once again, I'm doing this once again. Porky's, I think, is definitely more the legendary between the two for 80 films. But for me, I like uh, Stephen was saying, I just, Porky's always, it just skis me out. It was, it was American pie before American pie, but way worse than American pie. I kind of felt actual party. It was the big blow up for Tom Hanks and the, the crew, the group of guys, they're just, they're all have their own little stories going on. And yes, it's a crazy, raunchy party. Has it aged well? Are there things that aren't great about it? Yeah. But getting back at the guy who's trying to take his fiance, his soon-to-be wife, and it's just, it's a fun, crazy night. And I've always enjoyed Bachelor Party. And Porky's, I just, like Steven said, I never really got into it. All right. And once again, we have a two to two tie in the play in game uh, heading into a tiebreaker. And once again, I will ask if anybody would like to use a buzzer beater on this one. Bearing in mind, you only get one per round and we're still in the play in games. And that is what I thought. (laughs) Crickets. Exactly. Michael Turner, break the tie and move one of these on to the main event. So I, 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 I spend a little bit of time talking about this with, with a friend of mine at work, uh, just going through the matchups and asking his opinions on things. And one of these movies has an Oscar winner. The other does not. And you would think that would be enough. <laughs> However, if you're going to market yourself as a sex comedy Go fucking all the way with it (laughs) and love it or hate it. Porky's went all the damn way with it. Like I I consider bachelor party, like watching Spectrovision when you're like 10 years old, just trying to get a glimpse at some boobs and, (laughs) and Porky's is the full on unadulterated. Let's go to town. Uh, It's foreplay versus actual intercourse. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to pick intercourse. It's Porky's. <laughs> and when you put it that way, <laughs> it, you that put, vote you put makes a ton of sense. <laughs> Porky's does secure the victory and the spot in the main round, but that is on the right side of our bracket. And we're going to come back to that later because we're moving back over to the left side of our bracket and the one versus 16 matchup. <laughs> 
Our one seed for tonight is the classic Heathers. And as we just discussed, it is going up against the not a Beatles movie movie. Can't buy me love. And we're starting this one off with AJ. Oh, God. (laughs) All right. So. (gasps) Heathers. Good lord, that film did not age well. <laughs> um, I I very much enjoyed the play. Uh, I thought all the songs in the play were great. If this was the play versus something else, like I would have taken it hand no hand, you know, no contest. But um, whoo, Heather's did not age well. <laughs> I. I I was very surprised to see it was number one on here. I, I'm going to go for the upset and say Can't Buy Me Love because I will say, even though Heather's is a great movie and it does have some great moments to it, there's just so many parts of it that I'm just like, I don't know if I'm uncomfortable or if I'm bored or if I'm... I, I would rather have the feel-good movie. <laughs> And the 16 seed has come out firing threes, apparently, because it has taken an early lead over Heather's. We're going to head over to Steven's direction next to see if he's going to continue pushing the 16 seed into UMBC territory or tie these things up. What you think? Problematic. Um, I mean, as much fun as brandishing a gun in school is these days um at the end of the day when i'm comparing these two i like mean girls beta a little bit more than i like can't buy me love um it's aj's right the musical is better um but you know that's also true for mean girls unless you count the movie version of the musical uh so they're actually very much alike uh no there's there's a lot of dead air does exist in Heather's, but I'd much rather rewatch it than uh, Can't Buy Me Love because it actually has some legitimately funny moments and at least everyone in it is charming who's supposed to be charming. So, Heather's. And Heather's does pull even with Can't Buy Me Love. It, is this a case of the 16th seed was fired up early, but then the one seed takes over or are we going to have a game on our hands? Brandon. So... Yeah, Mike, you stole it from me, the UMBC over Virginia. I was going to bring that up. I'm still going to bring it up because this, when I saw this set up, I already knew I wanted Camp Buy Me Love over, um, over Teen Wolf. And then Alex and I did watch Heather's one night. And it had been a long time for me since I'd watched Heather's. And I was really looking forward to it. I like Christian Slater. I love Winona Ryder. And I know the following. It's a huge cult classic. 80s film. And yeah, we're talking about the greatest 80s. Um, Can't Buy Me Love. I still, I think it's a, it, it is a feel-good movie. And the characters are there. You have his buddy who's a nerd. He does. And Amanda Peterson, that's a sad story. She was a good actress and she did well in that film. I think she just get mixed up in drugs and drinking down the road. And she passed away to, I think, early 40s. But she had some power. She could have been in there for a little while. 
But um, Heather's just that one time. I'm just like, what are we watching? <laughs> After 20, 30 minutes, I'm like, it wasn't as bad as watching Gone with the Wind for three and a half hours. <laughs> but I, I liked the acting that Slater and Winona Ryder did. But I just felt just nasty <laughs> watching it. And I love horror films. <laughs> I love a good thriller suspense. I did not like Heather's. So I'm pretty sure Heather's going to end up winning this three to two, maybe. But uh, yeah, I'm going with Can't Buy Me Love. You never know. You never know. But right now, it looks like Heather's is on the ropes. Down two to one to Can't Buy Me Love, which just picks up its second vote. Michael Turner, what say you? I, I'm I'm so torn because I'm so happy with what AJ and Brandon have said. <laughs> Listen, Stephen, I, I I admire your viewpoint, but literally, I went to Chris Ligori on Tuesday night and I said, "Who the fuck made Heather's a number one seed?" It is the worst number one seed I think we have in this entire 80s brackets. It is a comedy in the way that Krampus is a beloved holiday figure. (laughs) It is a comedy in the way that Disney's Song of the South is racially integrated. It, It is a comedy in the way that Debbie Does Dallas is fun family entertainment. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> hey, only I'm gonna fight if, you on that last one. Only if you have oh, the bleakest of hearts is Heather's a comedy. It doesn't belong here. It's an okay movie. Like I like Christian Slater and you know, get the edgy Nicholson thing going on. You know, and it gave us one owner rider, it gave us Shannon Doherty for goodness sake. Who cares? I I didn't care what movie it was up against. Can't Buy Me Love, Teen Wolf. Either one is a better representation of an 80s comedy than Heather's. (laughs) Upset on. (laughs) Upset on and upset complete. Uh, Joining the real-life ranks of uh, Harvard in women's basketball, Fairleigh Dickinson, and UMBC. And actually quite a few 16-1 upsets in Boozy Bracketology history, including earlier already in the in this 80s movie Mega Bracket. Can't Buy Me Love, as the 16 seed, will be pulling off the upset. It will be moving on into the Elite Eight. But I do need to check in with my wife here. Nikki, did we get this one right? I agree that this was not a strong number one seed. I don't think that this was very strong as a number one. I don't even know if it needed to be in one of the tops. I do think that maybe it deserved a place on the bracket simply because it's kind of this, you know, pop culture icon kind of thing. I mean, it's one of those just people love it. Um, Like I said, the Rotten Tomatoes on it is 93% audience score. Um, So it did get ranked number one because we base a lot of that on, um, you know, audience and things like that. It was it was definitely a critics hit. Um, at the time critics loved it, I think because it kind of went against typical eighties 
comedy like teen films at the time because heathers came out in 88 so it was you know kind of pushing a little bit more we were getting kind of out of those maybe typical teen movies slightly um i agree it didn't age well but i definitely would have voted for it i feel like overall it was a good representation of the 80s and i just think because it's kind of this iconic uh film but you know then it's fine i mean it would it would not have been my number one pick i would not have picked to go all the way but i would have voted for heather so i'll give it my vote and heather's does pick up a second vote covering the spread unlike those bastards at wisconsin that decided to lay down in the final minute back in 2014 and cost me thousands (laughs) of dollars in my parlay not that i'm still bitter nonetheless i remember that i do remember that (laughs) Nonetheless, Can't Buy Me Love uh, will be moving on into the uh, Elite Eight and will face off against one of these next two movies that we are about to choose between. We've got an eight-nine seed matchup here. The number eight seed is The Last American Version. The number nine seed is Better Off Dead. And I've never seen any of these movies, so I have no clue how this is going to go. <laughs> Steven, your thoughts. Well, I have seen one of these movies many, many times, and I've only seen the other movie one time. Because you see, you son of a bitch, you set up this bracket. One of these movies is one of my wife's very most favorite movies in the world, and the other one is the one I'm going to vote for because it is the much, much better film. So if this is the last boozy bracketology you ever hear me on, you know what happened. And I hope you avenge me. (laughs) All right. So, Better Off Dead. uh, A film uh, so, so hated by its lead actor that he questioned whether Savage Steve Holland should ever be allowed to direct again. (laughs) Um, a, A film that seems to think it's a sketch comedy at some points and also seems to think that it's a standard 80s like teen romances, others. And at some points, it's very, very successful. At some points, you're looking at a claymation hamburger that doesn't really fit anywhere else within the story and just kind of stops the whole plot. Um, although it's, it's, and then there's the scenes where the little kid just wants the $2 for his newspaper. And, and that's an amazing running joke. It's great. Great. Uh, it, it's, it's, um, it is what it is. It's it's a, actually a really good, fun movie if you like French dressing and shit. Um, and then you've got to look at the other one going on here, The Last American Virgin, and you realize there's a movie with a plot and a lesson and an actual script to it. And uh, frankly, Cusack was right when he said that Holland was not a very good director because that thing does not hold together at all. So, sweetie, I love you. I have laughed at your favorite film many, many times and not forced laughter. But come on. The Last American Version, the, the, just the ending alone, where there's a subversion of expectations and the character gets to grow and we learn that everything's not wrapped up in a perfect little 80s bow, that's what makes that movie amazing and special. And frankly, I can't wait till I watch it again and I know I'm going to see you know, three more times before I get to see the last American version again, I'm going to be seeing better off dead. So (laughs) join me and avenge me if required. (laughs) 
Um, Steven, I got your back, buddy. I don't have an opinion on this particular matchup, but I got your back. Uh, Last American Virgin picks up its first vote. Check in with Brandon. Steven, I don't think this is going to be a last recording. You're a boozy bracketology legend. I've listened to you on here. I've recorded with you, Steven. You'll be back. So, um, yeah, I have some of the about same exact views. Uh, better off dead. I never saw it. My wife, she'll explain her father, my father-in-law adores. It's like his favorite movie. One of them better off dead. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. And um, Cusack, I I didn't know that. I did not know that he was like, I want to quit acting, or he thought it was the worst movie he ever did. Um, he didn't do a bad job. The cute girl that he eventually, thank God, he falls in love with, uh, French or Italian. Um, but that movie just... What Steven didn't bring up, and I was thinking, it made me feel really, really uncomfortable. The jokes were just slimy and just blah. Um, making fun of someone, it just there was a lot of things. The kid, the two dollar bill kid, annoyed the shit out of me. <laughs> I think that might be the first curse for tonight, or one of them. No, sir. Um, he annoyed the hell out of me. Um, booger. From Revenge of the Nerds, we'll talk about later. He was in it. He kind of saved the day. And I talked about this before. I like those characters that they're not the main one, but they're the backup and they really save the movie. Booger kind of did. Or whatever the actor's name is. I always Cur- forget. Curtis Thompson. Curtis Thompson. Very good. We'll talk about him later on <laughs> uh, in this podcast. Um, Last American Virgin. Now, this is really funny. Uh, we tried to watch it. We couldn't find it. I'm like, is it rated like triple X? Like we couldn't find any streaming, nothing. So I've never seen Last American Virgin. I did read up on it. It had great reviews. It seemed like a good story. But for my wife, for my father-in-law, because I never saw Last American Virgin, and Curtis Thompson did really save it. And John Cusack did do a good job. I guess I'm going to go with better off dead. <laughs> Can't buy me a lot. It's going to still go off. But yeah, I'll go better off dead. And with an, I guess vote better off dead does pull even with last American Virgin. We're back at the top with Michael Turner. What's your thoughts? Yeah, this is, uh, it's interesting in the fact that now we have a matchup that is sort of, you know, it's, it's, it's apples and oranges. It's, it's two very different tales. And one of them, like, since we already advanced, can't buy me love. Like one of them's going, one of them's going against a 16 seed. Like just does that influence who I should vote for here. I, I'm not really sure. I, I will say I admire the last American version for the fact that it did not go the easy ending. Like it, it, 
it's it's very bleak and depressing that he like doesn't end up with the girl after all. Love love doesn't always win, and ain't that life sometimes, kids? Uh, you're not always going to get the victory. Um, with that said, I just I don't think when I look at an Ike, you know, we're trying to get the most iconic '80s teen comedy, and to me, like, there's just better representation for better off dead i I don't think it's a better film and in fact i probably will end up voting for can't buy me love over it but um i think there's enough to like about better off dead Uh, at at the end of the day i think it's jokes land just a tiny bit harder than like last american virgin was very puerile to me um so yeah i'm gonna go better off dead Better off dead, the nine seed in would not be the biggest upset so far, but would technically be a minor upset. Does pull a two to one lead as we check in with Nikki. So I. If you leave me out to dry on this, I will hunt you down. So I did rewatch Better Off Dead recently, and honestly, I couldn't even get through it. I just it was it just did not age well. I feel like I remember it being funnier. Maybe it was just I was younger and maybe drunk when I watched it. I don't know. Um, <laughs> How young were you? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but it just, I couldn't, I I struggled getting through it. it. It, it, I don't know. It's, I think it's saved a little bit by John Cusack being John Cusack a little bit. And it is very classic 80s. I mean, just all of it, all the characters being over the top. Um, that, you know, had a little bit of that cartoon and things in it. I just, I feel like it was very 80s. I mean, it definitely felt 80s to me. You know, The Last American Virgin, I don't know if I've ever seen any of the cast members in anything after that movie. I don't really remember the cast that well. Um, I think it's very funny. I mean, it has a lot of funny parts to it, but it, it does you know, it has a realistic, I mean, it is like this kind of like American pie kind of thing, but oh, this is reality. You can get pregnant and you can, <laughs> like things can happen. Um, and yeah, he doesn't get the girl at the end and he's like crying in the car. It's this whole dramatic thing. So I just think it's the better movie. And I do think it's probably a better re- representation of teens um, and what they went through. Um, even, and it is still funny. It had some dramatic parts, but so I'm going to go with the last American Virgin. And once again, we are facing a two to two tie going into the final vote, uh, based on facial expressions. I have a sneaking suspicion. I know where this one is going. Uh, but, uh, if anybody would like to lodge a buzzer beater, now is the time. Hearing no buzzer beaters, seeing no hands, I'm going to pass it off to AJ to cast the decisive vote between The Last American Virgin and Better Off Dead. Listen, I tried (laughs) really damn hard to find this film. I looked on every subscription that I own. I looked it up on Google. I I tried tried to pirate it at one point. Like, I, I tried everything. I could not find any way to watch this damn movie. And I was low-key a little upset because I was like, I, you know, I wanted to give it a run for its money. Here's the thing. 
better off that is like part of my childhood you know obviously brandon said it my dad just loves it my dad will make the two dollar joke literally uh randomly in the middle of of whatever conversation i mean that was it is a very funny movie and that's kind of what we're talking about here is we're talking about a comedy something that'll make you laugh something that's you know funny there are parts of it to where you're just like um okay, that just happened. So, like, the scene where, you know, oh, sorry, your mom blew up, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, but the, but it, it, it's exactly that entire point. It's like, you can say $2. You can say French fries, French dressing. You can say, oh, sorry, my, your mom blew up. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's it, There's so many memorable little jokes throughout this film that it, they stick out, and that's why your wife loves it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, sorry, Better Off Dead's going on. And Better Off Dead is going on uh, to the Elite Eight to face off against Can't Buy Me Love. I'm sure a lot of folks had that on their bingo card. <laughs> but it wins, on, it, hey, it wins on childhood nostalgia, and, uh, you know, in an 80s movie bracket, especially for our uh, age group and demographic, that's what a lot of these is going to be about. So now let's move on to a matchup featuring two movies that I guarantee in no way are going to trigger any childhood nostalgia for anybody. That oh, was sarcasm. Geez. Number five <laughs> seed of Ferris Bueller's Day Off is squaring off against the number 12 seed of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. This is somehow not a Final Four matchup. I haven't checked the Rotten Tomato scores to figure that one out. But in the meantime, we're going to hand it off to Brandon to uh, make the first vote. All right, here we go. So this matchup, surprisingly, I think for most, actually not surprisingly, for most people, I think this would be very easy. For most people, hey, Ferris Bueller, all the way. A lot of people, I think, would be like, why was it Ferris Bueller number one or Breakfast Club? Bill and Ted is a really underrated, I think, just teen comedy, not just 80s. I think Bill and Ted was really well. It's a well done movie. Of course, it's goofy. Um, the 80s were goofy, but like the way it's set up and all the actors who play all the famous historic um, individuals did a great job. Um, shit. <laughs> oh, man, man. I, I want to go with Bill and Ted. I can't. Ferris Bueller, it's just too legendary. But I, it, it's a good movie. I'll get into it a little bit more in the next round. Um, Ferris Bueller's not my favorite. As I've gotten older and I watch it, I get a little bored. And everybody knows my views on Jennifer Gray. <laughs> She's cute. Mike knows Kurt Bush, Jennifer Gray, Vanilla Ice, Leah Thompson. One of our friends, Leah Th Chris is a fan. I'm sorry about that. Leah Thompson is very great actress. Just seems like a mean girl. <laughs> Jennifer Grey is a mean girl. She definitely seems like a mean girl. It's, it's the Red Dawn um, syndrome. Yeah. 
They both, because they both were in Red Dawn. <laughs> uh, Ferris Bueller, it's not a bad film. It's an epic 80s comedy. Um, just parts of it, I kind of snooze. And I'll talk more about it probably in the next round. So, Ferris Bueller. And Ferris Bueller's Day Off does pick up its first vote, but... I don't know. I'm not so sure we'll be talking about it in the next round. We've already had two upsets in this uh, left side of the bracket already. So, uh, Michael, what do you think on this one? So, when I was examining the bracket with with the esteemable Mr. Ligori the other day, Mm. and I said, um, if this doesn't end up with Ferris Bueller versus The Breakfast Club, what are we even doing? Why are we here? I'm with unbiased. That, Excuse me. Continue. With that said, this is extremely difficult for me. This is <laughs> this this is the hardest first round matchup for me because Bill and Ted was my childhood. Like this was one of the first movies I remember going to the theater to see, like with a buddy. Didn't have to go with your mom and dad or whatever. Like this, like we. Because like this is what we wanted. We wanted to rule the school and play heavy metal like Wild Stallions, and somehow invent a phone booth and go back in time and talk to Socrates. Like this, this is what I wanted to be about. And it's it's you know it it's it is completely of the eighties. Like if you're watching it today, it's it's so dated. It's so dated. But like. <laughs> Can you not love like Keanu, young Keanu, just hamming it up? Uh, Alex Winter doesn't get the credit he deserves uh, a lot of times, especially for liquid television, but that's an entire different thing. Um, and, you know, George Carlin, like the legend. I mean, everyone will tell you everything that is awesome about Ferris Bueller, and they're mostly right. Um, it's it's iconic for a reason. Um, God, like if I'm being true to myself, I, I'm voting for Bill and Ted. Woo! Well, we we here at Boozy Bracketology are all about being true to oneself. So that is a vote for Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, pulling even with Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And Nikki is about to break that tie. Go for it. I hate this matchup. It's just silly. Like, and in any other context, like I would have voted for either of these. It's just, it's <sighs> so I know I love Bill and Ted's. I that's, I think it's, it's fun. Um, it's, it's, it always makes me laugh. Um, the characters are great. Um, and there is, I mean, it's just, I just feel like they're these two like iconic characters and, um, I mean, it's it's a silly movie, but it's just it's it's good. It, it, I, I like the whole concept. Um, but I just I love Ferris Bueller. It's a nostalgic pick for me too. I grew up loving that movie. I haven't seen it in a couple of years. It was one I didn't rewatch um, just because I felt like I had seen it enough. But you know, who knows if I rewatched it? But I I do think Ferris Bueller deserves to go through. Um, So I'm going to vote for Ferris Bueller, but I don't like this matchup in any other context. I probably would have voted for Bill and Ted's. And Ferris Bueller's day off takes the two to one lead. AJ, your thoughts. So, 
You said uh, you were looking at uh, the Rotten Tomatoes scores, and I actually looked them up whilst Brandon was talking. They both came in at 82%, and that's why they're going up, I think, against Hmm. one another in some context. I'm not sure. Um, One of these movies I grew up on, I've seen multiple, multiple times. One of these movies I saw for the first time recently with Brandon. And I had surprisingly, uh, Bill and Ted was one of those movies that I had just never seen for some random reason. And I had watched for the first time. And let me tell you, the smile on my face when we finished that movie was beaming. It was hilarious. I had known parts of the movie, you know, because you you hear about it here and there. You hear the jokes and everything, you know, radical did. <laughs> um, But uh, it was the first time actually watching it all the way through. And I will say it was such a treat. I love Ferris Bueller. But we're talking a great comedy that you could watch over and over and over again. Something that is just like uh, adorable and funny and cute and relatable. It's got to be Bill and Ted. I'm fighting for it. Ladies and gentlemen, eventually we will have a, <laughs> a match in this bracket that does not come down to three to two. Yeah, the two fifteen. <laughs> the only one that hasn't been a tie going into the final vote was the sixteen to one upset. But once again, we do have a tie, and, and in fairness, with this matchup, it's entirely fitting. Uh, but Bill and Ted's has pulled even with Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And if anybody would like to use a buzzer beater before we hand this off to Steven, speak now or forever hold your peace. I'm good with whatever happens. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I don't think anybody's going to change mm-hmm. Steven's mind. Yeah, I mean, like, I- <laughs> oh, no, my vote is viable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Technically, we've never technically we've never specifically said that Venmo couldn't be part of buzzer beaters. So, uh, but uh, here, hearing no uh, <laughs> no objections, I'm going to hand this off to Stephen and see where this goes. So uh, it's it's split right now, two to two, two even groups. Um, so I have one small question uh, to the group that's already voted for Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and that is, what happens? If Abe Froman, the sausage king of all Chicago, actually shows up for his goddamn lunch. <laughs> Why doesn't that happen? Why does that movie make no goddamn sense at any point? It's charming because you have a charming lead actor. It has a few jokes in it that are worthwhile. But seriously? We're saying, why is that the Olympus mountain of movies? Why does everyone love Ferris Bueller that much? It's not even like the best movie that that Matthew Broderick was doing in that era. That was War Games. What what are we doing? Why are we sacrificing ourselves to this punk kid that's just a watered-down, shittier version of the character from War Games? I mean, literally, he's hacking into a computer again to change (laughs) grades. Why are we putting ourselves on this mountain? No! There's one obvious obvious vote here and that is to be excellent to each other and get our fucking air guitars out and vote for bill and ted's excellent adventure the far superior movie san demas to the east coast everyone loves it bill and ted's all the way stop pretending 
that that it's a great movie because Ferris Bueller's Day Off is not a great movie. It is a halfway decent comedy with a halfway charming lead playing a watered down version of a better character he's already played. And that's all I've got to say about that. And you said your vote was viable. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh no, I would I would have taken your money. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> We're going to I'm now. so happy this happened. Uh, give me a minute. I'm going to chug the rest of my beer. <laughs> While you do that, there's actually a uh, there's actually a possibility. There's a thought that uh, Ferris Bueller, the character that plays Ferris Bueller, the idea of Ferris. Uh, is actually that he is just a fiction of the other character's mm-hmm. imagination, kind of like in Fight Club. No. So uh, no, that there work is that. There are situations in which Cameron is not involved at all, and therefore there's no reason for Cameron to think of it. It doesn't make sense. No. Uh, eh. That's no. just people trying to justify what is a not very good film. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, spoilers, AJ. Jesus. All right. Well, hey, look, look. Uh, here at Boozy Bractology, one of our mottos is that our wrongness is part of our charm. So right or wrong, we've all got opinions, and I can't wait to hear what our listeners are going to think about this. But hey, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is moving on into the Elite Eight, and we're moving on to the next matchup. It's going to be the number four seed of Valley Girl taking on the number 13 seed of Weird Science. And Michael Turner is going to be starting this one off. Your thoughts? I must just love upsets. Um, <laughs> there's nothing good about Valley Girl to me. It's it's not memorable. It's not funny. It just exists in a weird time, space, and Frank Zappa vacuum. Um, <laughs> if you give me John Hughes over Valley Girl, I'm going to pick John Hughes 10 times out of 10. Weird science is, again, somewhat problematic. Uh, again, very dated. Um, it's it's an 80s movie in all its glory. But, you know, it gave me sexy Kelly LeBrock. It gave me nerdy Anthony Michael Hall. And it gave me an Oingo Boingo theme song. And uh, three out of three ain't bad, kids. Weird science. Yeah. And Weird Science picks up its first vote as Michael weirdly implies that there is such thing as non-sexy Kelly LeBrock. Fair, fair. <laughs> but in the meantime, we're going to hand it off to Nikki next. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm kind of in agreement. I mean, Valley Girl, all I could really totally remember from it was Nicolas Cage. I mean, he was, you know, kind of the bad Hollywood guy and she was, you know, from the Valley and it was all about, oh, I want to hang out with. I want to be with this guy, but I don't want my friends to think I'm uncool. Um, it wasn't super memorable to me. Um, Weird Science, I think it has its issues. I don't know if it's like a great film, but I feel like when you think of 80s films, that's one of those movies that you think of. Um, so I think when we're picking best you know, teen comedy, I just think that's one that you think of. Um, so I'm going to go with Weird Science, if nothing else, because I love Robert Downey Jr. and he's in it. So <laughs> <laughs> Weird Science picking up its second vote. AJ, you're next. So I watched Valley Girl recently, and I absolutely love that movie for about the first 20 minutes. <laughs> 
It is one of those movies. I was sitting here and I was like, this is such a great movie. Like, it's a little weird. It's a little quirky, you know, but it's great. It's got a great setup. And then it throws the entire thing out the window when it just decides to get really, really confusing right in the middle of the film. And then you're just kind of sitting there like, wait, but we were doing good. And now we're just confused and now we're fighting and now we're wait what is happening um it very much somebody had a great idea somebody shot the movie very very well for like the first 20 30 minutes and then just kind of forgot what story they were telling or maybe didn't write the ending until they had already gotten to that point nearing filming and they just they lost it all uh, I very much think that if somebody were to do like an a good remake of this, that they could maybe improve upon it a, a lot and be able to do it justice because it was very good for that first little bit. But um, Weird Science has an actual flow in its structure. <laughs> it actually, as weird as it is, as quirky as it is, as problematic as it is, it actually makes sense from start to finish. You're not confused on where the hell the plot is going halfway through. Um, so I, I definitely think this was the match we were waiting for. I think everyone's in agreement. Weird science is going on. <laughs> well, well, we'll have to see if everyone is in agreement, but this is not a nail biter. Unlike the previous several matchups, weird science does pick up its third vote and we'll be moving on to the next round, but I still want to check in with the rest of our panelists, starting with Steven. Yeah, sort of picking up on uh, that. Uh, when I, I looked up Valley Girl on Wikipedia uh, a little bit just to kind of familiarize myself because I wasn't, I've never seen it before this bracket. And uh, in the little blurb at the top of the Wikipedia, it says that it's loosely based on Romeo and Juliet by William Shakespeare, uh, to which I say, fuck, no, it's not. Um, <laughs> because just because two people are in different decks doesn't make it Romeo and Juliet. You want to see Romeo and Juliet? Good versions of it exist. You can go see Romeo and Juliet itself. You can go see West Side Story. You can go see The Lion King Part 2. All much better adaptations of Romeo and Juliet. Um, I do not get Valley Girl at all. I don't think anyone in it is charming or at the top of their games or sober. Um, <laughs> I don't like weird science, but yeah, given the choice between that and having bamboo shoots stuck underneath my nails, bamboo, uh, you know, weird science is going to win. So since Valley Girl's about on the same level as bamboo shoots under the nails, weird science. Well, thanks for that painful image, but weird <laughs> science does do something that no other movie tonight has done and picks up a fourth vote. Brandon, do we have a sweep? All right. So we have a sweep. But so I got home the other day and Alex was watching Valley Girl. Alex is loving it. She's like, honey, sit down, sit down, watch this movie with me. It's so good. I'm watching. I'm like, okay. And I'm like, honey, you're not seeing that this just got really weird. Like, what is going on here? She's like, it, it's fine. It's just. And then I just walked out. And I came back to check on her and she's like, that look, she's like, I don't know what's happening. And then I watched the rest with her. Um, it, yeah, it was very choppy. And then his friend, this other random guy hooks up 
the mom wants him, but he hooks up with the daughter and it's all over the place. The only thing that saving grace for the film that I like is modern English. Uh, I melt with you. Ah, I do like that song and it's in it twice. I think weird science. Uh, I'm not going to say it's a cult classic, but it does have a very big following. People love weird science. Maybe Dan had the best reviews. I'm not the biggest fan. It's a little weird, but Anthony Michael Hall, Kelly Brook, uh, Robert Downey Jr. And of course, we're forgetting Bill Paxton Amen. did a great job as the shitty, sure. shitty brother. <laughs> um, so weird science. Weird science does complete the sweep, and uh, but I do, um, I do want to sympathize with the uh, the melt with you aspect of it. I believe in the one hit uh, wonders uh, bracket on Boozy Bracketology, I was the lone vote for melt with you in the first oh. round. So no, uh, there was that. Go back and check that out, uh, listeners, if you haven't heard that. But weird science will be moving into the elite eight. Uh, and we will be moving into the right side of our bracket. But first, we're going to take a very quick ad break. Hey there, PTE Network listeners. Do you like fantasy sports? Pouring over stats and trash-talking your league as you take home the trophy? Do you dislike fantasy sports? Have no idea what PPR is and prefer to keep it that way? No matter how you answered those questions, this podcast is just for you. On draft days, we play fantasy sports, just without the sports. Instead of drafting athletes, we draft anything. Fictional dogs? Sure. New metal bands? Absolutely. Breakfast cereal? Why not? Everything is up for grabs as we try to build the best fantasy teams possible. The best part? I made up a bunch of rules that allow us to score points so someone gets to walk away the winner. Listen along as my guests and I have a few drinks and have a lot of fun building fantasy teams out of whatever we feel like. Starting this February, you can join me, your old pal Jeffy Donuts, every Wednesday for new episodes of Draft Days. That's D-R-A-U-G-H-T-D-A-Z-E. It's a pun. It's a beer pun. All right. And now, on the right side of our bracket, we have our number two seed of the Breakfast Club, uh, which I did look it up. Uh, it missed being the number one seed by 2% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, it had the it had the 89% there. And it is going up against the number 15 seed, the win, winner of our other playing game, Porky's. And we are starting this one off, I believe, with Nikki. <laughs> um, yeah, so what is Breakfast Breakfast Club versus Porky's? Yes. Okay. So, I mean, I did vote for Porky's in the play-in game. I mean, it's it's very raunchy, but I don't know. I, I, I think it's funny. Um, and it's going up against Breakfast Club. Now, Breakfast Club, I feel like when you think of an 80s teen movie, you're going to think of Breakfast Club. It's, it is kind of this iconic um, group of teenagers. <sighs> is it a comedy? You know, in some parts, yeah. <laughs> it is kind of drama overall, I think. Um, I think Breakfast Club has some issues, but I think overall uh, it's a better movie than Porky's. So I'm going to give Breakfast Club the vote. Breakfast Club picking up its first vote. Check in with AJ. Uh, is this a question? Breakfast Club. That's all I have to say. 
Sometimes, sometimes the votes here are short and sweet. Breakfast Club picks up its second vote. Steven. Well, I have a question. Why do they call themselves the Breakfast Club? At no point do they eat breakfast, talk about breakfast, turn into cereal mascots. At no point does breakfast ever enter the equation of that movie. In fact, not a lot does enter that equation in the movie. It's just a couple of kids. They sit down for detention. They eventually talk, and they realize that they're actually okay with each other, even though they vow at the end of the movie to start being assholes to each other again the next day, except for the one that they discover is secretly pretty because it's an 80s movie and there has to be a secretly pretty girl. Um, I'm not a fan. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie. I, I'm not going to give a lot of vote to this bracket. Uh, bracket to the breakfast club i can't say that three times fast but you know what it, it's still better than porky's uh porky's is just not my cup of tea so for now i will give it to a horribly inappropriately named movie the breakfast club and the breakfast club picks up its third vote and uh correct me if i'm wrong but i uh one of our listeners will have to uh confirm this i did not google this i'm just kind of going off the cuff but i believe the original title of the breakfast club was actually the lunch bunch and they changed it because (laughs) it was just slightly less cheesy i very well could be wrong uh fact check me on that one listeners but the breakfast club does pick up its third vote we'll be moving on but we need to check in with the rest of our panelists to find out if they do think we got this one right starting with brandon oh mike you did again i was just about to say like the lunch club because they do eat lunch. Um, oh, Alice Sheedy with the bread. And what is it? Bread, Captain Crunch, sugar. She should have put a little milk on it. Alice Sheedy, Molly Ringwald, Judd Nelson, Anthony Michael Hall, Paul Gleason, Emilio. Um, <laughs> it's the Breakfast Club. I, I'm a... I'm going to agree with Steven, though, on something. Uh, well, I'm not going to say anything about Porky's. Porky's has no chance. But um, it's not... I It's kind of along those lines for me, like Ferris will talk more, but it's... There's a lot better films that people need to know about than just Breakfast Club. I'll put it like that. Uh, But yeah, the Breakfast Club is definitely moving on. Breakfast Club is definitely moving on after a bunch of ties moving into that final vote. For this final vote, I need to ask Michael Turner, do we have a second sweep in a row? Let me me ask you a question, Mike. I'm pretty sure I've picked the upset in every single game so far. Truth. Truth. Interesting. The streak stops now. What what are we doing? Like ah. this is this is quintessential Hughes. Like this movie could not be more 80s if Pac-Man was sitting there listening to Wham. Like it's this is this is childhood wrapped up. Like Steven brings up some good points. Is, is it overrated? Perhaps. And maybe we'll talk about that in the next round or two. But in every conceivable way, it is a better movie than Porky's. Sweep. 
move on. And Breakfast Club does get off, get off. It gets off? What the fuck was that? That's a good beer. It gets off. Breakf- I, well, no, Porky's gets that's off. Kind of that's, that's, I think I think my brain was still in Porky's <laughs> land. Yeah. Alright, you know what? I'm not even gonna edit that. I'm gonna leave that in. Breakfast Club does uh secure the sweep. Uh, but I did want to tip my hat to uh Michael on that one because technically you're you could have just continued the upset trend. Breakfast Club is moving on anyway, but I liked I like your commitment to your actual belief as opposed to just continuing that. So that was good. Mm-hmm. Breakfast Club will be moving on and it will be facing off in the Elite Eight against one of these two movies, the number 10 seed of Lucas or the number seven seed of Real Genius. And AJ is kicking this one off. Oh, man. Okay, so I know that most of, for most everybody, Ferris Bueller versus Bill and Ted's was the hardest one on this bracket. This, by far, was my hardest pick. I, I had seen Real Genius before, but I had never seen Lucas. And Lucas is such a treat, okay? It's... Both of these are movies that I would have preferred to see them somewhere else on the bracket so that they can maybe fight each other later. Um, Both of these are movies that I think should be treasured in a kind of way. But when it came down to the wire and I really thought about it, it has to be real genius. Real genius is just... It's one of those movies to where you see a little bit of growth in the characters. You see a little bit of learning some life lessons. You know, you see um, some tomfoolery. You see uh, a little bit of, you know, the guy trying to get the girl a little bit. I mean, there's a little bit of everything in there for everyone. Real Genius is just, it's it's that movie to where I, I... one of the big things that I look for in a good movie that I think of as a good movie is rewatchability. Because if I, if I like a good movie um, and it's something that I can watch over and over and over again, it's a great movie. Um, And real genius has that. So I have to take it. Although I'm pretty sure Brandon disagrees. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll find out soon enough, but for right now, real genius does pick up its first vote. Let's check in with Steven. I think it's fair that these two are matched up because I feel like they're actually fairly close in like quality of actual film. Um, I don't think either one of them quite hits the potential that they're going for, but they both have their moments. Um, I just, at the end of the day, I'm going to go with real genius just because I think that the, like, you know, Val Kilmer is just much better at carrying a film than that Lucas kid is. But, um, I, I don't I don't hate people for picking the other one. Um, I'm keeping receipts for some earlier things, but uh, for this one, you're allowed to vote either way without interring my ire. I'm voting for Real Genius. Real Genius is out to a two to nothing lead. Uh, Brandon is about to tell us uh, if AJ was prophetic or if Real Genius is going to secure that third vote and move on. Oh, it was me. It is you. Okay. Sorry, guys. You're good. All right. So I've done the candy bracket. I've done the queen. I made the queen bracket. Um, a couple plans. This matchup is top three hardest I've had to do by far. Maybe the hardest. Um, 
I grew up watching Lucas. My mom, I think she first had me watch that when I was maybe seven years old, six years old. I've watched that movie quite a few times. It's like Alex brought up about Real Genius. I, they both films have all those parts to the film. Corey Haim, rest in peace. He had issues, but that film, he did a great job. We met this cute, adorable, pale, short, black-haired girl who Winona Ryder has taken over the world. And later on, after Lucas, she did Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. We'll talk about later more. Um, <laughs> Charlie Sheen, Carrie Green. It's an adorable film. And I'll fight you on this, anybody. Out of all these films on this bracket right now, Lucas probably... Lucas and Real Genius probably are the two best endings of any of these films, I think. The endings. But Lucas, it's down to zero. And the one thing that would have made that film better is if he actually caught the touchdown and then got the shit kicked out of him, like tackled. But uh, he still... That's hard to get... Lose it, and then you track the guy down, you tackle him, and you get knocked out. That's pretty awesome. And real genius, Val Kilmer, the whole crew. It's such a funny, funny movie. I didn't see that until I was maybe 24, actually. So I saw it about 14, 15 years ago. Uh, I love real genius. I love real genius. But Lucas opening up that locker and seeing that jacket and everyone starts beating on the locker. I got to go with Lucas. And Lucas not going down without a fight does pick up a vote. Turner, you're up. I, this uh, this is, again, this is a very difficult matchup, uh, unlike some of the other ones we've had. Um, Lucas is a movie that I absolutely did not enjoy when I was a child. Just one for me. Felt very maudlin. Uh, and uh, like... Just wasn't a Charlie Sheen fan, wasn't really a Corey Haim fan, just did, did nothing for me. So I, I went into this bracket 100% thing, oh, this is real genius in a walk. And then I rewatched Lucas and more mature adult uh, having real problems, Michael, was, uh, was very moved and uh, saw a lot, a lot, a lot of value. Uh, and I will agree, a tremendous, tremendous ending. And I, I certainly want to give it its flowers. But at the end of the day, I have to vote for what I think is the better comedy. That's why we're here. And mm-hmm. to me, that's it's it's Val Kilmer being just the smart-ass best version of himself. And the, the 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 ending scene of Real Genius will always stick out to me with the popcorn exploding out of the house, and the best eighty song of all time, Tears for Fears. Everybody wants to rule yes. the world playing <laughs> in the background. It's Real Genius. Real Genius. We'll be moving on to the next round. Nick, I'm not right. upset. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, I agree with everyone that I think this was a kind of a tough matchup. These are both really good films. Um, 
I, I don't, I'm kind of glad I didn't have to make the decision. So, <laughs> um, I, I think my vote would have gone to Lucas and that's, I think just because of like the ending clapping and, you know, very eighties moment at the end. Although real genius is probably a better comedy. I don't know, but I, yeah, my vote would have gone for Lucas, but I'm happy that real genius is going through. So. And stop me if you heard this before, but we did have a three to two matchup on that <laughs> one. But uh, Real Genius will be moving into the Elite Eight. We got two matchups left uh, before we close out our Sweet 16. And uh, the first one is going to be two movies with school in the title. We've got Back to School versus Summer School. And we're starting this one off with Steven. Uh, similar titles, uh, very different movies in terms of quality here. Uh, one of these is very, very witty and charming and is a film that I like to revisit from time to time. Um, the other one is called Summer School, and all I can say positive about that is Danny Elfman did good with the score, I guess. Um, that's really the only thing to recommend it. Uh, but no, Rodney Dangerfield is just firing on all cylinders for Back to School. That's... Like, if somebody's never heard of him and you want to introduce someone to Rodney Dangerfield, don't give him stand-up. Make him watch Back to School, because it's a great movie, and he is just killing it every second. Um, it's not like Caddyshack, where he just shows up, is annoying for five seconds, and leaves. Somehow, he's better when you have more of him. Can't explain it. Doesn't usually work that way in comedy. Back to School's a great movie. Gets my vote. Back to School picks up a solid first vote. Let's check in with Brandon. So, you guys see how we're dressed tonight? I did. Yep, Hawaiian, getting ready to go on a trip. So I've watched Summer School and Back to School. I showed Alex recently, I showed her Summer School. And uh, yeah, she'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, back to School first. Ronnie Dangerfield, so years ago, my sister's husband was like, you know the one comedian who creeps me out and I don't like? Uh, and I'm like, who? He was like, Robin Williams. I'm like, oh, I mean, he's a little odd, but I love Robin Williams. I fucking love Robin Williams. Birdcage all the way. For me, Ronnie Dangerfield with that weird eye thing, that creeps me out. <laughs> Dangerfield, he looks like that creepy, not just like, all right, a little, I, I don't know, it's creepy uncle, weird, and yeah, just his stand-up was good. So I would say introduce him to a stand-up and Caddyshack. Caddyshack, he was great. He was still odd. But the only thing back to the school I really remember, and I didn't even like the film, the triple Lindy. And I'm like, I can't take this serious. Summer school could have probably happened. Probably not. But this Mark Hammond, I think crushed it. I think he did a good job. Kirstie Ollie did a good job. It was a film. It felt like a film. It was a funny film at times too, but it was kids dealing with real shit. Some of them. And the football player ends up like, you could tell he falls in love with the girl who's pregnant and he's there for her. And the one girl like really is having trouble. She's dyslexic, trying to learn how to drive. Uh, there's a lot of cool things that do go on in summer school. And I think it's actually very underrated eighties, not just eighties film. I think it's an underrated movie. So summer school, summer school, pulling even with back to school. Uh, 
we bring the strong opinions here and we've got some differing ones here. Uh, let's hand it off to Turner to break the tie. Mark Harmon, did he, did he ever make anything of himself? Did he ever do anything after this? Not, not sure. I don't think did so. I don't think I've seen career? him anything else. No, no. CBS. I feel like he's on the old people network anyways. Yes. Yeah, uh, so he does something on CBS, but I don't know what. Okay. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Um, yeah, a very, a very charming, a very memorable performance from him. But to me, summer school just feels like wacky eighties. Like there's a wacky cast of characters going through. I just remember like the two like idiot movie stoner guys who are like watching the car wreck video. Like, Oh my God. And like, it's just, it doesn't, it does it didn't resonate with me. It didn't do anything for me other than like the one time viewing. I remember liking it as, as a teen and like, okay, that was two hours of my life. Cool. Um, back to school is entirely dependable on whether or not you like Rodney Dangerfield. If you don't, you will not like that movie. Uh, even, even though it has, it has merits beyond Rodney, but it's, it's a Rodney showcase first and foremost. I happen to be a Dangerfield kind of guy. Uh, it's it's entirely memorable for all the reasons uh, that we've just said. Uh, Sally Kellerman, an underrated performance um, in what is beyond her normal kind of sex pot stuff. So uh, good on her. Um, another another performance by your boy Robert Downey Jr. trying to get in every 80s movie he can. Uh, <laughs> just hogging screen time. But uh, yeah, this is... Back to school is way more memorable for me. Back to school, picking up a second vote in the battle of the school movies. Will it move on or does summer school still have a little life left in it? Nikki. So, I mean, I like how like both of these movies are the two, like where the adults are the main characters, because I feel like everything else is teen comedy. And these are the ones where the adults are the main characters. I mean, there's teens that are like the showcase, but it is about the adults journey. Um, yeah, I, I'm. Summer school, I thought was good. Um, I mean, it was a little crazy. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of in agreement. Like some of the characters, I mean, they were a little over the top. Um, but there was some lessons learned, and I mean, I over, I didn't, I didn't hate summer school, but I am just overall a Dangerfield fan. I just, I, I love back to school. It just makes me laugh. I watch it, and I just get a good chuckle. It just to me is a fun film that I'm going to watch over and over again. So I'm going to go for back to school simply just because I really like it. Back to school does secure its third vote and we'll be moving on into the elite eight. Uh, we're going to hand this off to AJ to find out if we got this one right. But before she blows the gasket, I just want to clarify. <laughs> I do like Mark Harmon. <laughs> I know I was reacting to what Turner was saying, but I really do like Mark Harmon. And of course I'm aware that he has gone no. on to do a great many other things. Uh, anyway, AJ, what are your thoughts on this one? Did we get it right? What the hell are y'all smoking? <laughs> Jesus Christ. You guys picked back to school with with this old ass guy who decides to go back to high school and just make everything awkward oh, for everybody. God. Just, oh, college. That's right. That's right. Call it. Whatever. Not the point. The point is that First of all, Mark Harmon is literally my childhood, okay? And the reason I say that is because starting as a wee little thing, I grew up on NCIS, 
I I literally have That's seen like I I okay. yes NCIS he uh, he did I think like fifteen seasons of NCIS I I think um before he left the show and that's when i stopped watching i love mark Harmon. every movie that i've seen him in which are few and far in between he has done a very beautiful job on um back to school is just not that great it's really not in my opinion and i don't know if it's because of the i didn't get the comedy of it i i you know whatever uh it's just not (laughs) <laughs> whereas summer school is you know it, it goes back to that this is you could almost see any one of these kids in a real life scenario like you do have the one pregnant girl you have the one girl that didn't realize she was dyslexic and she's just not great at school you have the one kid that uh decided to work at night um doing questionable things and just sleeps all day through class you know you have the one kid that was like dude, I know what I'm doing. I'm not coming to this class at all and never shows up. But the moral of the story is that this guy didn't even think he could teach and he ended up connecting to every single one of these kids in a unique way and helped them not only with their schooling, which he didn't think that he was going to be able to teach in the first place, but also in life areas that they desperately needed help with. And by giving them incentive, they worked for something harder than they even thought they were going to and ended up growing substantially from it. Some of these kids were passing tests that they got like a four on beforehand. Um, By far, by far the better movie, Summer School. So according to AJ, we did not get this one right. But nonetheless. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Not at all. Nonetheless. Y'all are out of your mind. Back to school. We'll be moving on. And and while I um while I sit here feeling extremely old as uh, she cites NCIS as being a staple of her childhood, which is a show that right? absolutely debuted after I was already of drinking age, we're going right? to move on into uh our final matchup of the evening, which is our number six seed of Fast Times at Ridgemont High, going up against the number 11 seed of Revenge of the Nerds. And Brandon is starting this one off. Go for it. All right, here we go. So, um, I think it was during the romance play-in. I was on the recording. I forgot who else. Nikki, I don't know if you were on with me. But uh, we talked about St. Elmo's Fire. And I said, along with what I really trash on actors or rappers or uh, M&Ms, um, St. Elmo's Fire, all the people are terrible. All the characters are terrible friends. Fast times at Ridgemont High. Yeah, the kids are all going through it, things. But deep down, you kind of get this feeling that all the kids are kind of terrible. Except uh, Boris Whitaker's character, who just kind of pops up, football player. And uh, Rat, uh, he's a good kid. But the girl, like, she's young. She's going through a lot of stuff. But, like, it's you do see what early 80s. Cameron Crowe did a great job, and he did pretend he was a high school student. He went in, he wrote about it, and he learned a lot of stuff. Um. It's not a bad film. And yes, it has a huge cult classic following. 
And it's that 80s film that everybody thinks of. But the revenge of the nerds. The characters you get, they're not on top. They're they're low. No one likes them. They're nerds. And you got Burger and you got this guy and you got that guy. You got the little the little kid. You got the violin player. I mean, all the characters are just they're so great in their own way. And maybe the way that they got back at the cheerleaders, it was not it hasn't aged very well. Things about the film did not age well. The scene, of course, we really won't talk about that happens later on the film. Definitely not good. But the dance scene, the the concert at the end, holy shit. Just that in its own, I, for me, wrecks Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Uh, I laugh a lot more for Revenge of the Nerds. Fast Times, I feel uncomfortable. I feel awkward at times. It's high school, yes. But uh, I only really laugh with Spicoli. Uh, maybe with Judge Reinhold, too. I might have laughed a few times. But it's just more of a movie you sit through. Revenge of the Nerds, you're cracking up laughing. So Revenge of the Nerds. And Revenge of the Nerds, the 11th seed, is off to an early upset vote over Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Michael, what's your thoughts? So I... I think when you look at a lot, a lot, a lot of these films of the 80s, you see a common trope. And the common trope is the underdog overcoming adversity. The geek winning the girl, the nerds getting their day. And quite frankly, not to be presumptive, but I'm guessing for a lot of people that are on a podcast talking about movies, these themes resonate a lot. <laughs> I'm, I'm just guessing. Um, it, it, it's, it certainly did for this nerd. Um, at the end of the day, you want to poll for these people to succeed. That's an interesting film. Is it original? Absolutely not. Is it problematic? Absolutely not. Yes, 100%. It's a film of the 80s. They have a song called It Was Acceptable in the 80s for a Reason. We can't get away <laughs> with this shit anymore. Fast Times at Ridgemont High has a dynamic comic performance by Sean Penn. And then a lot of assholes doing bad things. There are two things going for Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And they're both attached to Phoebe Kate's torso. <laughs> That's all that movie is. This is Revenge of the Nerds. Easy. And Revenge of the Nerds picking up its second vote on the verge of an upset. That's not unusual in this bracket tonight, but uh, we're going to see how far it's going to go. Nikki. Uh, yeah, I'm in agreement. I, I just feel like I personally like revenge of the nerds better um i think it's funny it, it's always been a film that it, i i've enjoyed and i agree that it just sort of has this this classic 80s theme to it and yeah i mean it's it, it, it's problematic for sure but i think for what it was and what it you know tried to be it was great 
Um, but fast math, fast, eh. <laughs> fast times at Ridgemont High for me, it's just this sort of iconic film. Like I love Spicoli and I, and I agree that the other characters are not, they don't hold up as well. But I just think that for me, like if I'm thinking about best 80s teen film, I'm going to pick Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I just feel like that's this. It's just what I think about. I don't know. I, I Even though, I don't know. I, I'm going against myself because I feel like I would rather watch Revenge of the Nerds, but I think I'm going to give the vote to Fast Times at Ridgemont High because I just think that maybe it's a better representation overall. So, And we do have a little drama here because Fast Times at Ridgemont High is going to pick up its vote. It's two to one. Heading over to AJ. It's okay. Fast Times at Richmond High needed a pity vote. Um, it's... Uh... Oh, it's one of those movies that, you know, you just kind of muscle through. Um, that, it was awkward. Anyway, I, I did not want to see the scene on the baseball bench. I didn't want to see, you know, I didn't want to see half of those scenes. Um, that girl's a hoe. Um, <laughs> there was. <laughs> not wrong. Not wrong. Uh, I mean, uh, the only memorable scene is the scene with the swimsuit. Um, that's about it. It really just was just awkward the entire showing. Whereas Revenge of the Nerds, and Brandy can attest to this, so I'm sitting on the couch singing the rap while he's singing it. Like, uh, I, it's so enjoyable. It's one of those movies where it, there is some problematic pieces of it, but um you know all's fair in love and war so i i gotta give it to revenge of the nerds and fast times didn't even didn't even come into the my thoughts <laughs> all right and revenge of the nerds does secure the upset the 11th seed over the 68 and we'll be moving into the elite eight our final word tonight though is going to come from steven did we get this one right well you know as uh time has moved on and uh the Hollywood system has developed and screenwriting has developed into a more and more formulaic thing. Uh, there is a curse that we have upon our comedies now, uh, and it's called a metric. Uh, it's a metric jokes per minute. Uh, the idea is that you have to keep so many jokes in your screen length just to make sure that uh, you're not losing people or it's not slowing down. And this is actually a terrible, terrible thing for films because it makes all comedies so formulaic um, that they lose the things that make them special and unique and enduring. And it's a terrible, terrible thing. Uh, and the reason what we have this metric uh, is just because the opposite of jokes per minute never occurs again. Uh, as it did in the movie Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which maybe has one joke per decade <laughs> because it is the slowest, unfunniest movie. I don't know what was happening at that point in the 80s when we didn't know how to set up something and then pay it off unless the payoff was immediately after the setup. There is no buildup. There is no suspense. There are no running jokes of anything. There is no real character growth or development in that movie. Uh, this, uh, there's no... Who, who are you rooting for in Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Uh, nobody, because they're all terrible people. None of them grow. None of them change. And none of them are funny. I mean, everyone here who liked it said the funniest thing was Sean Penn. And what's his joke? He's high. <laughs> <laughs> 
get it? Did you get it? He was high. I don't know if any such comedy has ever been achieved by man before or again. It wasn't like there were other better stoner comedies out of the time. There were no stoner comedies in the 70s that could have been a better example. Uh, it's a deeply, deeply unfunny movie. And I know, I know for a fact that the actors in that movie are better. I know Phoebe Cates is better. Why? Because I've seen Gremlins. I've seen her tell me about how her dad died to uh, uh, Santa Claus. I know she could do better. I know she has timing. I know she's great. I know she's ridiculously cute in both movies. But I can see cute in any 80s movie. Every single movie we've talked about today, cute 80s girl. You don't get bonus points for that in this bracket. Fast Times at Ridgemont High is terrible. I don't like Revenge of the Nerds. I hate that movie. I'm still voting for it because at least there are jokes in it. Revenge of the Nerds gets the vote. <laughs> and Revenge of the Nerds does get the fourth vote. And we'll be moving on to the Elite Eight. And uh, you know what? I I honestly can't follow that up. So uh, <laughs> I, I know we've, we've had a lot of strong opinions tonight. Uh, so I'm just going to close it out by uh, saying uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And be sure to tune in next week uh, for the finale of this particular bracket. Uh, if you'd like to... Uh, Visit us on any of the socials. Check out our Patreon, all that stuff. All of that's in the notes, uh, the show notes. I'm not going to bore you with it anymore. I am just going to go ahead and sign us off for Boozy Bracketology. I've been your host, Mike. I've been Michael. Nikki. AJ. I've been Steven. I'm Brandon. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs>